1: Hello, my name is Stuart Miles and welcome to the PocoLint podcast. Jaguar Land Rover has pulled the covers from the new Range Rover due in 2022, revealing the latest take on its luxury SUV. And it leaves no stone unturned in the pursuit of luxurious refinement. PocoLint editor Chris Hall has been following the announcement to see how the company's looking to make the life of the Range Rover owner easier in the future. Meanwhile, keeping on the 2022 track, I've been talking to analyst Ben Wood and the president of Ring about what they predict will be the big trends for next year in our home and beyond. And Poglin's Rick Henderson has been listening to the Bowers & Zeppelin speaker to see whether it's any good. Keep listening to find out. But first, back to you, Chris. Tell us more about the new Range Rover.
2: Well, the Range Rover is a very distinctive car, probably the original luxury SUV. And as Range Rover themselves are frequently saying, often imitated and never matched. Well, there has been a lot more competition uh, recently from the likes of the BMW X7 uh, all the way through to Bentley and Rolls-Royce coming out with their own versions of, of SUVs. So Range Rover has basically torn it down and rebuilt it, sitting on a brand new platform ready for the future. And while you can look at the Range Rover and say, oh yeah, it's definitely a Range Rover, it is actually completely new. So lots and lots has changed here, but it still looks and feels very much like the Range Rover, exactly what you'd expect. When you look at the design of it, the front of it is is broadly similar to what we've seen before, but there's been this radical change around the back. And one of the things that's really interesting is how well they've managed to hide the lights. We We see this on lots of cars and it's a very common sort of um aftermarket modification to like black out your Mm. light enclosures and stuff but here land rover jaguar land rover has managed to integrate those lights into the black areas of the rear of the car and i i can't really describe how good the effect is because you can literally walk up to it and you cannot tell that it's a light then they turn the lights on and suddenly that area suddenly shines through with red light and you think, oh yeah, that is definitely the light. Uh, so it's very, very clever. Um, and I sus- and, and from a styling point and design point of view, it means that you can do all sorts of things without having to worry about where your lights are and what they look like. I suspect we're going to see this picked up and copied by lots of car manufacturers in the future.
1: Like, it's interesting, isn't it? Because lights are always that kind of Excitement, like Audi, VW have spent a lot of time on lights, uh, you know, and and the way they do things and stuff like that. Let's talk about the technology within the car. Um, It's got Alexa.
2: It does have Alexa. And this was a bit of a surprise announcement because so many car manufacturers are saying, oh, we've developed our own system. Whereas Range Rover has just said, we've integrated Alexa. And this is fully blown Alexa. You'll be able to tap the button or say Alexa. you're sitting in the driving seat and you'll be able to get all of that connectivity and all those responses that you'd expect if you're at home using an Echo. Uh, It is deeper integrated into the car so it will do some other things around the car. I'm not sure at the moment exactly how far you can go with it but certainly it means that they don't have to reinvent a voice system and for anybody who uses Alexa obviously it's very very simple. The good thing is you don't have to connect your phone or anything like that to make it work. Your car needs an internet connection, which will be an option. And I would imagine that on this type of car, most people will just tick the box mm. and they'll have a permanent connection in the car. And then you do have to sign in with your Amazon account details. And that then means that it knows exactly who you are. All of your skills are there. So you can be driving in your Range Rover and you can say, Alexa, turn on my garden lights. Alexa, open my garage. Alexa, what's the weather? What's the sports forecast? call this person all of those things that you can do on alexa elsewhere and it will be completely integrated into the experience the other thing that amused me though was that range rover was very keen to point out that all of this would be running through the internal sound system which comprises of 35 speakers 35 35 speakers
1: I think that's more speakers than I've got in my house in every room like if I added them all up (laughs) it's quite impressive yeah and this is
2: one of the one of the one of the one of the things that I found really funny about this is you probably know that the Range Rover traditionally has had a split tailgate you open up the top half and then you can drop down the bottom half a little bit like a shelf yeah Um, and then you may have seen people at uh, if car events where they close the top half and then stand on the back half. You know, it's great for open air events. Sitting on the back half, I always see people putting on their rugby boots, sitting on the the rear uh, rear
1: tailgate, watching the polo.
2: Exactly. That that's you know exactly <laughs> what, what this thing is designed for. It's it's also really good for loading and unloading the back. But they have created a system now where you can lift up a divider, which stops things sliding around on the on the inside of the car. You can also recline it slightly, and there's a set of matching cushions which you can use to make this into a proper bench seat. Of course there is. And I was standing at a preview of the Range Rover with uh, one of the interior designers who then pointed to a small flat section in some of the plastic moulding towards the very edges. Uh, it, was a little, it was a little round circle. And he said, and we designed this so that you can put a champagne flute on it, which <laughs> is just... Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, it's it's, exact, it's exactly what you want. There are, there are some more important things.
1: Yeah, and so overall, I mean, this sounds like it's it's a huge upgrade. It's a huge technological upgrade from the inside. I mean, there's massive screens, isn't there? I think there's a 13.1-inch display in the center, kind of very similar to what we're seeing on some of the big electric cars and things like that. Do we get an eco-friendly electric model with this?
2: You won't be able to get a full battery version of this car until 2024. That has been... Uh, Range Rover's timeline for a while, and it's not its not changing now. I think that it might be the Range Rover that is the first fully electric model that they push out, but that's not been confirmed yet. But there is a plug-in hybrid, as well as a whole range of petrol and diesel engines, depending on the market that you're on. Um, the Those who do like to buy powerful petrol cars will be pleased to know that there will be a V8 in the mix as well. But we're more interested in the electrification so sticking with that plug-in hybrid Mm. version this will be available in a couple of months time you'll be able to put in an order for the plug-in hybrid it has a big battery in it which will give you 62 miles of range and that's kind of double the average for um yeah for for plug-in hybrids. so there is a chance that you'll be able to use this as an electric car in most of your day-to-day driving and that um that electrical system is also good for up to about 87 miles an hour or something like that so it's not going to be scared of the motorway either
1: still to come rick gives us his verdict on the Bowers and wilkins zeppelin speaker
3: but really honestly it's designed to be a, a kind of a wireless music system much like a song the big difference in as far as i'm aware and and, and as far as i'm concerned is that Bowers & Wilkins is an audiophile standard company.
1: Each year, CCS Insight, an analyst firm looking at the latest technology trends, releases a report looking at what it believes the big trends of the next 12 months are going to be. And with more of us spending more time at home than ever before, both for work and play, it's no surprise there's a heavy focus on smart home and how we'll adapt to the new flexible living and working environments we now find ourselves living through. Off the back of the report, I spoke with Ben Wood, the man that oversees CCS Insights Research and Lead Initiative, such as his annual predictions report, and the president of Ring, Leila Ruhi, to find out more. I started by asking them what the big themes for the year are going to be. Well, I think the
0: the first thing that we came to, and it's not so much a prediction, but an observation, is the fact that people really, really value connectivity as we come out of the pandemic. So um yeah you know, we've we've got some really interesting stats that we've we've seen come out of um that whole situation. So uh we, we interviewed people across four major countries: the US, Spain, UK, Germany, and 48% of people bought a new connected device because of the pandemic. 62% of people use a connected device more often since the pandemic. And the most important one to me, because I, you know this industry means a lot to me, is the fact that of people value their connected devices more since the pandemic. So I think we enter 2022 with a very positive outlook in terms of people valuing the technology around them more um, and also having very high expectations for that technology as well, whether that's the humble mobile phone, of which there are still going to be 42 sold every second next year, uh, but also new categories like smart home, and obviously that's where... It's exciting to have the opportunity to talk to people like Ring and other companies who who are making products in that space.
1: And do you think that's one of the reasons, do you think this sort of increase in technology? Because smart home, you know, we've been covering smart home for a long time and it kind of moves very slowly because the upgrade cycle is quite quite slow. But now, obviously, people being at home the last 18 months, two years, um, people have probably invested into better Wi-Fi and greater connectivity at home. Do you think that's partly one of the things that's driving this this excitement and urge to get more connected in, in home and beyond?
0: I, I think it has made people think about what they're doing at home, and you know, people have been stuck at home. We, we've seen, you know, in adjacent categories, just the DIY business has had a superb pandemic. A lot of people had the time to do jobs that they hadn't planned to do before. Some of that might include, you know, getting those cameras you thought you might get or that connected smart doorbell that you might get but actually I I would say and this gives me an opportunity to probably land the first prediction that you know was one we had which was that I do think that we are seeing the development of smart home technology on two different planes as well I think there's the point solutions like a smart doorbell or a robot vacuum cleaner or a camera or whatever which are going to see really strong uptake um, from now right through into you know the mid 2020s but I think the advent of more Really deeply integrated and really connected products, um, particularly things like domestic appliances. You know, you buy a new washing machine now or a fridge or whatever. They're connected will have a whole different impact, and there'll be another wave where we start to see actually really deeply integrated and very highly connected homes when products can start actually talking to each other as well.
1: Alayla, you're the big boss at Ring. This must be music to your ears, with you know the prediction that we're going to be more connected, we want more security devices, more sort of doorbells for all those packages that we're now sort of ordering.
4: It is indeed. And I do agree with Ben, I think over the course of the pandemic, we have learned that our customers expect more from their homes, their relationship with their homes has changed. And it's more than just shelter these days. It is a park, an entertainment center, an office and everything in between. And with that, I think we are seeing that they are using their smart home devices in in new and novel ways. I think staying connected to the outside world is essential for customers and they want their smart home devices to do more. Um, So I agree that I think we will see you know, higher adoption of smart home devices, but also more interconnectivity as as customers want their devices to really make their lives easier. And, and that's what we strive to do here at Ring.
1: And is that something that, uh, because you've seen this this huge change, this, you know, sort of once in a generation shift of, of us embracing working from home, you know, it's not just a, oh, that's a nice thing to possibly do. It's we've had to do it all. Do you see that Has those, has that impacted perhaps your roadmap or the way that you are you're thinking about products going forward.
4: Um, I mean, it certainly impacts how we think about our products. Uh, you've probably heard this before, but we do work backwards from the customer, and we're ultimately here to, you know, make the products that best suit their needs. Uh, thankfully, I think Ring was already pretty well situated in this regard, so I wouldn't see a momentous shift in our in our products or in our roadmap. But of course, we think about you know, the circumstances of our customers' everyday lives as, as we do develop our products and as we advance into the future.
1: And so, Ben, so we've got a more connected lifestyle from home, which is kind of leads into, you know, ring doorbells and things like that. What other predictions do you have for us?
0: Well, I think one of the um, things I get asked all the time is what comes after the smartphone. And, uh, you know, that that's a pretty big one. And I think the conclusion we came to when we were thinking long and hard about this is that I think that rectangular you know, touchscreen that we're all familiar with will remain the kind of anchor interface for for several years. But we're quite intrigued by some of the innovation we're seeing around the the edges. And uh, like you, I've been quite excited about the advent of flexible display technology. And I think we're seeing some tangible examples of this now. So whether it's the um, Samsung Galaxy Z Flip, uh, which is basically taking the traditional phone and folding it in half. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think they, they've actually got to a point with this latest generation that they're ticking the boxes and showing us something exciting. And and I think just the ability to make it a standard phone, half the size and put it in your pocket is, is quite exciting. Perhaps the more ambitious effort is taking the kind of phone and having it fold open and have a mini tablet inside, like the Galaxy Fold or like the um, Huawei Mate uh, X2, um, where I'm starting to see some, interesting ideas coming um i think they they still need to be refined um but but i think that that for me is an exciting area where yes we're going to have the interface we're familiar with but we're going to have some more design diversity and some new case new use cases
1: emerging as well and do you think that that's you know one of the things looking at some of the big launches that we've seen this year and and trying to see where companies like amazon and google and and stuff see see the world going forward Uh, amazon you know your parent company like right, uh, believes that it's going to be you know in in collaboration with you believes it's it's going to be drones in your house and and robot dogs do you do you see this as, as something that is is kind of in the short term for 2022 or do you see that's going to take a bit longer to get to
4: um you know in in terms of the the always home cam which is the drone in your house that you're referring to our no. aim there is really as with all of our products to give our customers maximum amount of choice. And so that really letting them decide the types of devices and how they wanna use those devices in and around their home. And I think that theme is one that we will see certainly in 2022 and, and well beyond in terms of just making sure we are giving our customers a broad variety of options in terms of how advanced the technology might be, how it works, the types of sensors it has, you know, the, the price points and really allowing the customers to make those decisions that are best for them.
1: And do you, do you see that as, as as tying in with Ben's kind of prediction that we're moving away from the phone? Do you see that we'll be able to access, you know, not necessarily just ring doorbells, but other connected devices within the home through a, a multitude of, of technologies that isn't necessarily just that device in your pocket?
4: Absolutely. I agree with that. And I think, you know, especially when it comes to staying connected, I would expect to see other types of devices beyond the phone play a much more integral role in that.
1: Now, Ben, talking of of other devices, there's a lot of talk about the metaverse at the moment and about, (laughs) uh, you know, VR and, and trying to connect in different ways and worlds and all the other stuff. I think it's probably sued by too many people watching Marvel movies. But how do you see that fitting in with your predictions of 2022?
0: Well, I, I, we've got a few topics that we cover in that area. So, I mean, moving beyond smartphones to start with, I think there is definitely an increasing pool of connected devices in our lives. That could be smart watches, headphones, smart glasses, smart speakers, um, VR headsets, all those sorts of things. And I think if I look out over the next five to ten years, um and, and like you, I'm a little skeptical about all of this hype around the metaverse. But, you know, certainly, I feel like we are entering the era era of what I might call, you know, people have called ambient compute, uh, you know, I think the kind of on person compute, where we start to have more sensors with you know, watches and things, we might have more contextual information from smart glasses, which can augment the world uh, around us. And, and I, I think that's really quite exciting. So, um, what? But I I do think it comes with challenges because I although we are anticipating that there's going to be a wave of smart glasses arriving, for example, from leading device makers in previous years, we've predicted that Samsung might have smart glasses in 2022, Apple might have them in 2023. I'm hoping they'll make my predictions come true. But even if that happens, we are worried that there could be another kind of consumer backlash against the technology um, because... Um, I think for, uh, uh, you know, consumers, it's quite a challenge um, because these devices really are quite a lightning conductor for privacy. And that is a big, big challenge. So we'll we'll have to see. But I think um, there's going to be a lot of work to be done by companies like Facebook to really educate users to the benefits of these new things and the security associated with them as well.
1: We are starting to move into a, into an era where we are starting to get a bit, a little bit worried about the security and and privacy and, and kind of what companies are doing with all of our data. Um, you know, I know Amazon has a, a whole division on 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 trust and trying to make sure that Alexa is is a trustworthy uh, digital voices system. We we actually had the head of trust on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. So how does that? How do you feel that that's going to play into twenty twenty two? It, next year, in that sense of, 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 do you think it's going to be, continue to be a big issue? I know, I know, trust and, and privacy is at forefront of what you, you guys are doing anyway. But do you, do you think that Apple's message is going to carry on playing, or, or if you look at you know the likes of Facebook, where we've suddenly seen in recent weeks you know dozens of stories about how they're dealing with our data, and, and yet it has no seems to have no effect on their stock price.
4: Um I do think that privacy will remain important and perhaps even increase in in importance to customers. I think you know all of us as as company leaders have to make privacy and security foundational for our customers and as the technology advances really build in features and protection and and give our customers control over their data and over how they use these devices and that is certainly something that is foundational for us here at Ring.
1: And and probably the final question to both of you if I was going to be sitting here next year and we're doing the same interview at the same time what do you think you would have that you predicted or, or, or thinking that's going to happen that you would have gone yeah nailed it.
0: I, I don't know whether the timing will be quite right on next year but one of my favorite predictions from this year and it's really interesting you talking about Facebook and their their stock price and their users keeping on growing. We predict that by the middle of 2023, Facebook's family of users will outnumber Christianity and Islam put together. So, know, um, yeah, basically just to back that up because it seems astonishing, right? The number of monthly users um, when you look at Facebook's stable of services, so you know, Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, was 3.5 billion in the middle of this year, 2021, Um, that's carried on growing. um, And we think that that will reach 4.4 billion by the middle of 2023. So, you know, that means that that's more than the 4.3 billion people, if you take Christianity and Islam. So uh, astonishing growth.
4: So I would say, you know, I, I have a little bit of a, a cheat code here because I know what Ring is working on. And feel oh, yeah, free to tell us. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're already leveraging te- radar technology a lot more in our devices. And, you know, one of my predictions is that we will continue to see more use of advanced, advanced sensors and such technology. It gives homeowners so much more control over their devices and more precision over our, how their devices work. And I would expect that we're going to see, you know, big, big advancements and, and more use of that type of technology going forward.
1: Bowles & Wilkins introduced its first Zeppelin speaker in 2007. Originally an iPod dock set into a massive oval speaker system, it became the iconic product for Apple device fans across the world subsequent follow-ups appeared in 2011 and 2015 in the form of the zeppelin air and the zeppelin wireless respectively each adopting a feature set depending on the music listening trends at the time things have been quiet ever since now it's back in 2021 but has the wait been worth it pocket rick henderson has been listening to the new speaker as part of his review and joins me to tell us more so rick what's new and what's it like to listen to
3: well the B&W Zeppelin is back. I mean, this is a really iconic speaker system. Um, Anybody who has owned an Apple device in the past will be very happy. Of course, the new one is now out. Um, The main thing about it is, although it is only called Bowers & Wilkins Zeppelin, it's actually more wireless than the Bowers & Wilkins Zeppelin wireless it effectively replaces. Um, In fact, there's no wired connections to it whatsoever, bar power. Um, There is... There is a USB-C port, but that is purely for um, fixing it if an engineer isn't required. There really isn't. It's a service port, basically. There really isn't anything else to it, but it is quite extraordinary. It is fantastic. When when you think about um, things you want to feed it uh, wirelessly, this can handle pretty much everything. It is compatible with multiple music services. It's compatible with AirPlay 2, Spotify Connect, Bluetooth 5, Qualcomm AptX Adaptive. Essentially, it is it is wireless, but it is able to play anything wirelessly. It even has Alexa built in. And um, while that wasn't available completely at launch, it has since been activated. And I must say that um, I found it as responsive and as capable as any Echo device I've ever used.
1: And so something like, say, so for example, going up against Sonos, which you know is a popular multi-room speaker experience. A lot of those services are obviously baked into another speaker. A lot of the services are baked in. So you sign up and pair it with your Spotify account or Apple Music account and stuff. Does, that, does the Zeppelins allow you to do that as well?
3: Yes, absolutely. I mean, in fact, if anything, I would say that uh, more even than uh, Bowers & Wilkins' uh, multi-room system formation, this is more a Sonos rival product. Um, It really does feel like a Sonos product when you're using the app. You get a music by Bowers & Wilkins app to control it and set it up, and it has a very similar feel to a Sonos product you um if you, you can integrate your uh, music services within the same app so you can then send music wherever it comes from to the to the device and it will play it wirelessly over your network rather than you sending it via your phone of course you can actually also send bluetooth via your phone for example if you've got an android device you can send um almost lossless um, audio via aptex HD from your Android device to the Bowers & Wilkins. But really, honestly, it's designed to be a, a kind of a wireless music system much like a Sonos. The big difference, in, as far as I'm aware and, and, and as far as I'm concerned, is that Bowers & Wilkins is an audiophile standard company, and it comes from the basis that a speaker is a speaker. It's got a very, very long heritage and tradition in making Very, very good speakers, up to, you know, Mm. £400,000 worth. Mm. So um, it knows what it's doing when it comes to the cones and the tweeters and the subwoofers, and that's where this product really excels.
1: And I was going to say, when you came to listen to it, I presume it produced a nice rounded sound, or was it neutral sound, or was it kind of heavy on the bass?
3: Oh, here's the thing is that um, it has been tuned to have a very Sort of like standard signature, so it won't muddy any type of music you'll really listen to. Um, however, it has two small tweeters on the outer outer side, two decoupled drivers to handle the mid-range frequencies, but a massive six-inch sub right in the middle. And the first thing you notice when you when you're listening to it, now this is a this is a system that can handle 240 watts of total power out oh. output. I had to set it at about 10% to 20% of its overall volume. Otherwise, my neighbors would have been kicking my teeth in. It was genuinely such an experience. It fills the room, even at 10 to 20%. And the bass rolls across the thing. Now, I use, I normally use a, um, a Sonos Arc soundbar with a separate subwoofer. And yet, this, I would argue, was as capable with music playback as those separate which is quite extraordinary because technically although it is quite a big system when you sit it on a on a desktop or a um or a bookshelf it's actually still only a one box system it's only reasonably small in comparison to other things but in my testing and i tested it with lots of different types of music um it sounded like it was it was a proper two stereo speakers and a big sub in the middle.
1: Amazing, amazing. So, just as a final takeaway for people that are listening, what are your top three tracks that you like to test on things like this that they can see whether their system at home is worthwhile? Without a shadow
3: of a doubt, uh, Billie Eilish's "No Time to Die" theme track to the uh, to the latest Bond film that is a perfect one because you can you, you, when you're listening to anything, any audio product, you listen out for those breathy little. Uh, rasps from her voice. that that will really show you whether or not the mid to high frequencies are being captured correctly. Um, another one that I really love always love to play through these things is come together by the Beatles, which I normally play through Tidal. And um, that, of course, has that really thumping bass line that isn't sort of hip hop bass, but a a proper thump of mm. a, of a nice bass guitar. And finally, in sort of like a dance music sense, Uh, ronnie size represent um brown paper bag i mean if you love your 90s jungle (laughs) that's, that's a great that's a great track anyway but it is a really good one to test test something because it's got some real good high frequencies as well as that real
1: massive jungle beat well that's it for this week's show thanks for listening until next time pip pip